0: Welcome to Mitcham Hills Church. Today, Graham's talking about being holy. Some years ago, when I lived in the country, and I actually lived at Woodner for seven years, I was in the CFS. And um, I remember one time when the fire siren went off Uh, so we all raced out, jumped in the fire truck and went out to fight the fire. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been in the CFS or on a fire truck, but it's a huge responsibility, but it's also, uh, to be honest, quite exhilarating. I mean, you can drive where you like. You can drive on the wrong side of the road. You don't have to obey all of the rules of the road. You can drive through fences and do whatever you like. It's quite exhilarating. Uh, Anyway, we... We went to the top of this hill to sort of head off the fire. And looking down into the valley, we could see the fire and we could smell the smoke uh, as the fire started to move. But then all of a sudden, the fire jumped to firebreak, gathered speed as it came up the hill, and moved towards us with incredible speed and power. It was sort of out of control and coming our way. And all of a sudden the fire was right on top of us. And it was then that the exhilaration turned to fear and horror. And all we could do as a fire team was sit in the truck, put on the hoses so the water went all over the truck, and wait to the fire to go over us. And you know, for a couple of minutes there, none of the crew spoke a word to anybody. It was scary. We'd witnessed the awesome power of the elements right in front of us. In the Bible reading, we heard how Jesus and the disciples are on the Sea of Galilee, and this incredible storm comes up, and their lives were in jeopardy, and the disciples, some of them seasoned fishermen, were terrified. And all this time, Jesus is in the boat and he's asleep. I mean, talk about a heavy sleeper, for goodness sake. He's out to it. He's asleep with this incredible storm. So the panic-stricken disciples wake Jesus up. And Jesus wakes up and we read, Jesus got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. My paraphrase would be, Jesus got up and he said to the wind and the waves, shut up, be still. And in a moment, the howling winds and the incredible waves became calm. And this incredible display of power must have sent a shiver through the disciples because instead of giving him a standing ovation, it says the disciples were terrified, asking themselves, who is this man? All of a sudden the disciples realised they were standing just metres away from somebody who was different. Somebody who had total control over the powers of nature. And they started to say, who is this person? I mean, they already knew that Jesus was human. He got tired, he got hungry, he got thirsty. But now... They knew that Jesus wasn't just a man. He was different. He was in a league of his own. He was God. He was powerful. He was awesome. He was God. You know, in this church, we love to talk about the personal nature of God, about how, yes, God is awesome, but how each and every one of us can get to know God in a personal way and we can actually walk through life hand in hand with God Almighty who will guide us and help us and be with us every moment of the day. But the truth is, if we're to fully understand who God is, we also have to realise that God, yes, can be our father and friend, but God is also awesome and powerful and far beyond anything our minds can fully understand. And to help us with this, today I want to look at a particular aspect of this awesomeness of God. And it's the fact that God is holy. What does it actually mean to say God is holy? You know, this year in my journaling, I decided that I would start from Genesis and read straight through the Bible. And I'm just getting up to, I've just got up to Leviticus. And to be honest, if ever you've read uh, the book of Leviticus, it's hard going. It's all about sacrifices and rituals and things like that. And I confess I did skip read a couple of bits of it. But then I came across this verse in Leviticus 19. It says, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. What do we mean when we say God is holy? The main idea behind the holiness of God is separation. God is separate from everything that is evil or sinful. And that's good news and bad news. On the positive side, because God is separate from evil, it means that God is totally reliable and honest and truthful in everything he says and everything he does. God's character is flawless. God always keeps his promises. God is holy means God is faithful and trustworthy. But on the negative side, because God is holy, it means God is always separate from things that are evil. And because the reality is we all do things that are bad and fail, God is automatically separate from us. God is perfect. We are not. There's a gap. The second thing I want to say is that sooner or later, every human being on this planet will worship God as a holy God. In Romans chapter 1, Paul says that the entire human race can be divided into two groups. The first group are those people who accept that God is holy and almighty and they honour God and seek to worship God. But there's another group, and he uses the phrase in Romans 1, he says, they exchange the truth for a lie. People know inherently there's a God, but a group of people, they exchange the truth for a lie and instead of worshipping God, the Creator they worship created things. And the whole world can be divided into those two groups. And I don't know which group you'd put yourself in right now, <clears throat> but you know what the Bible says? The Bible says at the end of time, at the end of time, every person, every person will bow down and worship a holy and almighty God. Everyone. I've mentioned to some of you before uh, the fact that um, some years ago, when Janice and I went overseas, we were upgraded to first class on every trip, uh, all the way from Australia to London. We were upgraded to first class. And you know what I noticed in first class? I mean, these people may have paid three or four times what I'd paid, but they were ordinary. They still had to get up and go to the toilet in the night, they still look dreadful after a night on a plane. Not quite as dreadful as some of the others, to be honest, but they still look dreadful. They were just ordinary people. The Bible says that because our God is holy and we're not, when we see God as God really is on the other side of the grave, what will knock us out of the park will be the fact that God is beyond us. It's the otherliness of God. It's the greatness of God. It's the power of God. And the Bible says that at that end of time, when we see God as he really is, we'll bow down and worship him and say, holy, holy, holy are you, God. And some people will bow down and worship God as a holy God and a loving father that they know. And some people will bow down and worship God but they'll be feeling terribly guilty because they've rejected God throughout their life. But make no mistake, sooner or later, we're all going to worship God. We're all going to do it. And that should remind us that when we come here on a Sunday morning, we actually first and foremost come to worship. So the most important thing is not what you get out of this, even though we hope you'll get a lot out of it, the most important thing is not that it meets your particular needs, even though we hope it does meet your needs. The most important thing we do when we come here, you know, is to say, it's not about me. It's about a God who I know, but who is holy and great and beyond me. The third thing is that this holy God invites us to get to know him. We're going to celebrate this really in a big way over Easter. Easter. But the truth is, we can never get to know a holy God ourselves. God is holy and we are not. And that's a problem. The Bible puts it like this in 1 Timothy. God is on one side and all the people on the other side. It's a great picture. It's a picture as if God is over here on a sort of the edge of a cliff and we're all over here on the other side of the cliff and there's a hundred metre gap in between. God is on one side and we're on the other and there's a 100 metre gap. And you know, we can try and reach God and some really fit people run up to the edge of the cliff and they jump five metres out but they fall and die. Some people who are not really fit jump two metres out but they don't make the 100. And some people who are really unfit just drop over the edge. Some of us may be better than others but nobody can jump a 100 metre gap and reach out to God. But the incredible good news of Easter is that God loves us so much that God sent Jesus to bridge the gap. The rest of that verse is God's is on one side, all the people on the other, and Christ Jesus himself, man, is between them to bring them together. And that's what we celebrate all the time here. God sent Jesus to die for us, primarily to bridge the gap between us and a holy God And through Jesus Christ, we can be forgiven. We can be seen as pure and holy. and We can come into the presence of God and know God. It's really good news, you know. You don't have to pull your socks up to come to God. You don't have to try harder to come to God. You just accept what God has done for us in Jesus. It's the amazing grace of a holy God. So what should our response be? Let me quickly mention three quick responses. The first thing I think we should do is we should acknowledge that God is holy and we're not holy. We started looking off at that incredible display of power when Jesus calmed the storm. In Luke 5, there's another incredible display of power. And this time, Jesus tells Peter to go and fish and brings in this huge haul of fish. A massive miracle. And you know what Peter's response is? Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. The first thing we should acknowledge and be real about is some of us live better lives than others, but the truth of the matter is God is holy and I am not. And neither are you. The second thing we should do is say, well, because of that, I need to receive God's forgiveness. And the most important thing we can do is simply to say, Jesus... Thank you for bridging the gap. I receive you and I want to follow you as my leader and forgiver. But then there's one other response. Once we've received Jesus, we should allow God to make us holy as well. In Peter, the verse says, You must be holy just as God is holy. Do you realise that God is committed to trying to make you holy? I mean, isn't that what you wanted to hear this morning when you come here? God wants to make you holy. I mean, tomorrow when you go to work or uni or wherever you go and people tell you about the exhilarating things they've done on the weekend, the exciting things they've done, uh, wherever that might be, and then they say to you, what did you do on the weekend? Can't you just wait to tell them, oh, I worked on the holiness. I mean, can't you imagine the people saying, wow, I wish I'd had such a good weekend as you. You see, for most of us, we think of holy as dull and boring. And we steer clear of it. The truth is, our creator wants to make us holy because God knows that holiness is the best way to live. Holiness and happiness go together. Holiness and joy go together. Holiness and a fulfilled life go together. The psalmist wrote, Happy are those who live according to the law of the Lord. Holiness and happiness and joy go together. On the other hand, unholiness inevitably inevitably brings sadness and pain. And there are hundreds of unholy habits you can get into nowadays. You know as well as I do abusing our physical bodies, destructive, unhealthy relationships, stuff we read, all the stuff we can watch on the internet or on TV, the way we speak, exaggerating, lying, gossiping, being dishonest, holding on to a grudge. There are hundreds of ways to be unholy and we do it because for a moment we get a bit of pleasure out of it and then we pay for it later with a guilty conscience. You know what Jesus once said? He said, The devil is a liar and there is not an iota of truth in him. But the devil loves sugarcoating unholy habits and behaviors. So we get a boost of pleasure and then we get fearful or we feel guilty or relationships are broken or we get discouraged. The devil's aim is to steal life. God's aim is to give life to the full. I don't know how many of you are getting those daily verses, those daily texts from Robert at 7.30 in the morning, um, uh, but a couple of, about a week or so ago, one of the texts just hit me. It was a quote from a guy called John MacArthur. It said this, We should not be entertained by the sins for which Christ died. And I thought, Wow. We should not be entertained by the sins for which Christ died. I'm not talking about being a prude. I'm not talking about losing all fun and enjoyment in life. I'm talking about living life to the full and walking through life with a holy God who only wants the best for us. Life in all its fullness comes from a holy life without debilitating addictions, without the constant threat of a guilty conscience, without abusing the wonderful gift of sex that God has given to us, without unhealthy relationships, without the continual fear that I might be exposed or condemned. If you ever think of holiness as dull and boring, you've been deceived. Holiness and happiness and joy and fulfilment all comes in a package from a God who loves us beyond anything we can imagine and wants us to live the best life. And there's one other piece of good news too. Once we come to know God through Jesus, God gives us his Holy Spirit within us. And the full-time job of the Holy Spirit 24-7 is to help make us more holy. And all we need to do is cooperate with that God. One last thing. God promises that all of his followers will one day live in a holy land forever. On top of everything else, God says that if we admit our unholiness and we receive Jesus and we follow Jesus, one day, one day we will be with God in a holy land, heaven, forever. And there'll be no sorrow or pain or tears or discouragement or brokenheartedness or loneliness or difficulties. Those verses we often hear at funerals, here we'll wipe away all tears from their eyes. No more death, no sorrow, no crying, no pain. Only love, only joy, only peace, only wholeness. Only fullness forever and ever and ever. Do you want to get to know who God is? We hope and pray that you will get to know God in a deep personal way as your loving friend and father and saviour who walks with you every moment of the day. But we also hope and pray that you'll also remember that there's an otherness about God, God is holy. And this God is committed to seeking to make us a holy people. A people who live honest and holy and faithful lives. So let me remind you again, happiness and holiness go together. Happiness and living life to the full go together. So my prayer is we'll all say today, once again, God, fill me with your spirit and keep making me more like you. Let's pray. God, would you please forgive us for, the, for all the worship we've withheld from you because we've not acknowledged your awesome power and might and greatness and holiness. Forgive us for when we think you're no know one special, that you're just like us. And forgive us too, God when we think that our sin isn't a terrible affront to you. Forgive us when we think we can wink at sin and just hold on to unholy habits. We thank you for your amazing love and that you are only too willing to forgive and give us a fresh start. And you might want to pray this prayer. You might say, Lord God, today I want to acknowledge that you are holy and I'm not. Please forgive me. Jesus, come again and be my saviour and leader. And Jesus, put your spirit within me to make me holy too. Lord God, today I do pray you'd pour your spirit upon us. Convict us of things we need to stop doing. Purify our hearts. Create in us clean new hearts so that we can honour you and so that we can enjoy life to the full with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed the service. We look forward to seeing you next week. Rand's going to be preaching.